Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. you are now we can start and we got a great show for you this week my guest in the add interview you know him from that metal show he was one of the creators of crank yankers on comedy central and of course his podcast everyone is awful except you it's writer comedian jim florentine and we want to welcome everyone from our talk to me tuesday family that's our conversation we have every week nine o'clock eastern 6 p.m pacific go to my website click the link and join us and our super fan shout out is for sam woodruff say hi to sam Hey, Sammy. Sammy! How you doing? How you doing, Sam? Sam, those are the voices of the people I love. My beautiful wife, Alex. Hello there. My lifelong friend, Phil Tagg. What's up, Adam? How are you, my friend? And my pal, my pod producer, a man who better call my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus. I have. I know. Okay, here's, here's the story. During the Thanksgiving episode, I guess uh, you impressed my mother, Mark, because... Uh, <laughs> I guess you did. Yeah, because she's like, I need a picture of Mark. I, I got to put a face to the voice. Oh, she, yes, she made me send her a picture of Mark. Yeah. And so, you know what? It was hard to find a picture of Mark. Yeah, well, he's, he's under yeah. the radar. Yeah, I work very hard at that, yes. Yeah. You don't like having pictures of yourself laying around, Mark? No, no. Okay. I right. hate him. Yeah. I hate him. So, so what goes... You know what, Mark? I'm going to send you a kitchen witch. <laughs> yes. She sent yes. you a kitchen witch to keep away evil spirits to your apartment. So she sent it to you, and you, being the gentleman that you are, Mark, you called, and you left a message thanking her. Yes? I did. I did. She's got – I'm just going to say this without going into de- details. She has one of the greatest answering messages uh, when you call that anyone has ever had. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It's me. It's what it is. <laughs> just, but it makes it catches you off guard. I was waiting for her. Yeah, you, and I got your when you call my mother's that. house, you hear, thank you for calling my mother. If it's good news, <laughs> leave a message. If it's bad news, hang up. I don't want to upset her. <laughs> so, yes. So I, I called and left a message. Um, I, I got this wonderful package in the mail. I know you called and left a message, and I know you think it's over. It's not. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, call her back. She needs to hear your voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. I, Call I her back. She needs to hear your voice. Otherwise, the next thing she sends you is going to be guilt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she needs to hear your voice. You don't believe me? Ask Phil. <laughs> oh, oh, my. You better call her back, dude. Yeah, call, definitely. Because she sent me a housewarming and it took me a couple days because I was busy. Oh, my. And then Adam's like, she's leaving me messages. Yeah. You got broken fingers. Call, call back my mother. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. She's doing stuff. She doesn't know you got it. Yeah, she called, my mother called me up. She, she's like, I guess Phil broke his friggin' fingers. <laughs> he can't pick up a phone and call me. He moved again. I keep sending this to him. Uh-uh. And she sent you She sent you the bread and the salt, right? 
Yeah, moldy bread and salt. I was like, okay, yeah. moldy uh, bread. thanks. <laughs> yeah. What's the moldy bread? It's superstition. May you always, bread is, you put it in the Ziploc, you put it in the cabinet. May you always have food in your house, the bread. And may your life always have flavor or taste, and that's the salt. It's nothing. You, you're making your own penicillin in your cabinet. That's uh, all it is. And it has to be moldy bread? <laughs> no, it just bread, it just turns moldy. Oh, it just turns okay. moldy. Okay, Basically, got it. I'm a bachelor. All of my bread is moldy anyway. So I didn't, <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. Sending me that, yeah. But I had to yeah. call her up and ask her, what do I do with this? Put it in your cabinet. Leave it there. Yeah. All yeah. right. That's that, interesting. That's the superstition. Yeah, I have a lot of those. I grew up with those, surrounded by those. I know we, in in our New York apartment, we have an elephant yes. that your mother sent Yes. that I keep stubbing my friggin' toe on. Yes, because it's so close by the door. It's right by the door, and and oh. I, I when I first got it, I put it the wrong direction. You oh, like, I said, no, 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 yeah. no. No, no, no. The elephant's butt has to be towards the door. No, 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 no. It's the face. What? The, it has to be facing the door. It's the feng shui thing. What's a feng shui? Uh, it's like how things are in harmony. Mm-hmm. And when you face it towards the door, yeah. you have luck coming in the door. Great. Well, whatever it is, it's made It's made out of metal, and I keep stubbing my friggin' toe on it. <laughs> it's true. I put it, had to put it right by the refrigerator, Yeah. and there was no else place to put it. Yeah. So you got to deal with is it, Adam. It... <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I don't know about you guys, but... I mean, I didn't just have one thing that was superstitious. Mm-hmm. Every day I woke up, and you ca- you can't do certain things in my house. What can't you do? Like uh, leave your purse on the floor. You hear that, Phil? Don't leave your purse on the floor. Oh, see, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, or a wallet. It's or it, a wallet. Yeah, wherever you keep your money, don't put it on the floor because that will drain the money. Okay. Out. Ooh. And then when you give a purse or a wallet, you always have to put money in it so you attract more money. Okay. Okay. So, and then we have this thing where if utensils drop. Oh, yeah. Company's coming. And we had that. My well, mother would always say, if you drop the fork or a spoon, oh, company's coming. If you well, drop the fork, that's a man. Mm-hmm. If you drop a spoon, that's a woman. Mm-hmm. And if you drop a knife, right. that's a stranger. Well, whoever these people are, they better pick up the silverware that's on the floor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. So. I hadn't heard any of those. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, you know the mirror thing, right? That vampires can't see themselves in a mirror? In that a mirror? I've heard. No, I, when you break yeah. the mirror. Seven years bad luck, of course. Yeah. So, but mm. there is good luck. You break glass. So I have a thing where if I break, if I crack a mirror, break a mirror, I break a glass. And that covers it? In my mind, it does. <laughs> yeah. in, re- in reality, okay. it's more shit yeah. I got to clean up. <laughs> right. You're like, honey, what are you doing? I had superstition. My uh, my grandmother said you have to pick up your feet when you drive over the railroad tracks. Otherwise, oh, I yep. got that one. Otherwise, the train's going to take your feet off. I'm like, really? Now I'm terrified. <laughs> oh, we never got the feet <laughs> off. We're just yeah. like it's good luck. And like if you honk in a in a tunnel. Yeah, I never got that. Yeah, it's good luck. Yeah, I, think- I got if you I got if you buy if someone buys a new car in your neighborhood, you throw change in the passenger seat, or or single dollar bills too. Yeah, yeah. That's a very East yep. Coast thing because we got tolls. <laughs> All right, let me, ask, let me ask you guys this. Do you think superstitions can get out of control? I, I happen to think they there's no 13th floor in— Oh, that's true. That's mm-hmm. very, very true, especially in oh, yeah. Asian culture. Uh, like, they do not like the number 13th floor. No. Like, in Hong Kong, when I used to live there, it went 12, 14. <laughs> yeah. They just get rid of it. Yeah, there's no 13th floor in buildings. Yeah. Um, it's actually—I actually got the name of it. Fear of the number 13 is triskaidekaphobia. Triskaidekaphobia? Triskaidekaphobia. And they attribute this to the reason that Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Has to slam my guy. There's other people who wear 13, by the way. You know what else? Uh, after Apollo 13, no aircraft was ever numbered 13. Oh, mm-hmm. really? That's I didn't well. know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After, yep, no aircraft, especially in, the, in NASA, right. was, uh, was number 13. When I was living in Hong Kong, mm. their lucky number was eight. So I, like, when I got a phone number, I'm like, "Can I have some some eights in there?" Oh, when, they, when you got I a phone, you phone asked number. for eights. Mm-hmm, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but when does it end? I mean, yeah, when I does rem- it end? Like, don't step on a crack. Yeah, don't step on a crack. I stepped on a lot of crack. My mother's back is fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I will tell you guys this. I have gone swimming right after I ate. Nothing ever happened. That's not a superstition. That's no, I don't think that's a superstition. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's sound medical advice. Yeah. I, th- I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I was eating a sandwich on a raft. Nothing happened. You're weird, Adam. Yeah, and you know, and, and, and a lot of it, you know, comes from your family. My father, three on a match, no good. Ever since the army, 
Three on a match. What does that mean, actually? If you're going to light a cigarette, you never light three on a match because that gives a sniper time to aim because it'll light you. Ooh, you see, that is like, that's kind of smart. I know, but I'm like, Pop, I don't know how many snipers are here on Liberty Avenue looking for you. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Never know. You never be too careful, Adam. That's right. Yeah, I had well, I got the crucifix thing on my grandmother's crucifix, mm-hmm. and it's a ritual. Every time I move, which is usually once a year, I, uh, I, the crucifix is the first thing that enters the apartment. And I got to walk around and fend off the evil spirits with the crucifix. And I got it's got to be the first thing I hang. It's also the last thing that leaves the the apartment I move from. Mm-hmm. And Adam knows about that. Yeah, it was said because he this this is when he lived in a loft. He had to climb up that big ladder to get the <laughs> crucifix. Well, how's they to bring get it, it down? But yeah, no, we, <laughs> no, no. he walks to the apartment. He's walking in there, waving the thing. He's not a priest. He's a comic. <laughs> it's something I have to do, or I, I'll, 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 I'll be full of fear. If I don't, yeah. I have to do it. I have to do it. What's the separating line between superstition and OCD? Because it feels like they're really kind of close together. The like I have thing, to, yeah. I have to, I have to turn the lock seventeen times before yeah. I go in the door. Like it feels to me those are in the same family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I agree with that. I did see that. Uh, Superstition man. is responsible for one of the most recognizable signs in heavy metal, and it's this. Oh, the the horns, the horns, oh. the Italian horns, the Italian horns. Yeah, that's uh, Ronnie James Dio, uh, who was a singer in Sabbath and Rainbow. His grandmother is Italian, mm-hmm. and that's where the horns came from. Because when I was a kid, I was like, "It's Malucchio, it's the evil eye." That's well, what... it's it's fending off. Evil, but you could also put a curse on somebody too. Malocchio, you could put the, you could put that on my 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 great grandmother used to do that to the mailman, so so he would stop bringing us bills. I'm like, it doesn't work that way, grandma. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to hey. go into cursing people. No, that's, but my great grandmother, this was the, the, my great grandmother, the cocaine, the addict cocaine, with, with well, two yeah, teeth. Yeah. Maybe should have taken the cocaine away from her. She had a lot of problems. <laughs> but that's where the evil eye. That was the the evil eye when well, I was. It, well, what it's supposed to do is, like, because people wear them as bracelets, as rings and stuff, it's supposed to ward off bad intentions mm-hmm. towards something. See, it, it wards off evil spirits, and also you would wear the, when you was a kid, you had the Italian horn, mm-hmm. which brings you good luck. And yeah. then you had the, the evil, the Grigorna, the horns. You had that and to ward off evil spirits. And then your grandmother could put a curse on people. And then Ronnie James Dio took it and made it a symbol of heavy metal. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't want to piss off your grandmother. No. And Jim Florentine, big metal head, host of That Metal Show, really funny guy, and I had a good time talking to him. So why don't you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. In many cultures, the ground is symbolically associated with lowliness, so to put your handbag on the floor shows a lack of respect for your money. You hear that, Phil? Don't leave your purse on the floor. <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. Good God, this is 30 minutes you'll never get back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I have got some stand updates for you. March 19th and 20th, I will be at the Grand Comedy Club in Escondido, California. March 25th through the 27th, I will be at the Tempe Improv in Tempe, Arizona. May 30th and April 1st, I will be at the Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. There's a link to tickets right in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the links there. And if you can make any of these gigs, as always, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right. Go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. 
ADHD, and it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a very funny comedian. He's also an author and podcaster. He hosts the wildly funny Everyone is Awful Except You podcast, and that comes out every Monday and Thursday. You know him from that metal show on VH1. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my pal, Jim Florentine. How are you, baby? It's good to see you, man. You it's too. been a while. It's been a while, but you know what? Every time I see you, I get a big smile on my face. You're someone I look forward to running into. So are you, are you still in Jersey? Are you, you, you still down by Englishtown? Yeah. I'm in Jersey, yeah. By Englishtown? By Raceway Park? Yeah, man. Yeah, I live like a few miles from there. Oh, my friend uh, Mike Burke, who has a uh, Driver's East Stunt School is now at Raceway Park. He taught me how to uh, stunt drive for Top Gear, and he's at Raceway Park now. And every every kid from uh, New Jersey, Long Island, East Coast, oh, <laughs> Raceway Park. That yeah, was that yeah, was the radio commercial. I can hear those cars like from my house in the summertime. You know the funny cars, all those loud cars. I yeah. sit on my deck and listen to that. Do they still have down there? Do they have? There was that like flea market where you would go to fence stolen goods. English Town Auction. Yeah, yeah. We had yep. one in Long Island, the Tri-County Flea Market. It was just stolen stuff. You know? <laughs> you know? It was like... Absolutely. No I, receipts, no nothing. You're paying cash. Nobody takes credit. It's yeah. great. I bought you a ring. Who's Jessica? What do you mean, who's <laughs> Jessica? It says it on the inside of the ring. I cover that up. You're fine. I used to go to get brand new sneakers, you know, like Jordans for like 40 bucks. When mm-hmm. you knew they were worth like 120, whatever it was. They had them, like, all out. I'm like, I'll take these. Absolutely. For 40 stall. Who cares where they came from? Yeah. Yeah, that's Jersey, man. You could, and, if, and if you knew the code, you could get fireworks in Long Island at the Tri-County. Oh, yeah? Yeah. If you knew the code, if you would walk up to a guy, you know, you would say, this is nice stuff, you guys. This is this all you got? Then you would walk around, you'd come back, and he'd give you a wink, and you'd go out and buy, and you could buy, like, a mat of fireworks. Oh, nice. We used to buy- I miss a mat of, I miss a mat of firecrackers. Oh yeah, 144 packs. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We used to we used to get bottle rockets, and we would take the bottle rockets, and you would put them in the yellow wiffle ball bats had the hole by the handle, and you'd put them in there, and one well, your friend would light them, and you would have a bazooka because you would just be able to aim the bottle rockets at people. That's a good idea. Yeah, no, it's it's a terrible idea, Jim. No, it's a good idea. I'm t- I'm trying to teach my kid these things. We always light up fireworks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you got seven brothers and sisters. Yeah, there's seven of us. Yeah. And they're tough. You know, Irish, Irish, Catholic, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we got seven of us. You know, we all live within, like, 25 minutes of each other. We're all still get along. It's great. Well, yeah, the Italians are the same thing. Like, all the families are all together. You know, Italians don't travel well. Columbus had to go to Spain to get the boats. You know, they right. don't, they're not going anywhere. They paint the basement red and green, and they live down there. That's what they do. Yeah. Well, that's what they said, you know, the whole thing with Italy, with the coronavirus, because everybody lives in the same house. Yeah. The grandparents, the parents, the kids, they all live together. They live, you know, and they're all real close uh, knit community. Plus, let's be honest, I'm Italian. We're, we're an excitable bunch, you know, and we're pretty dramatic. I mean, there's never a happy ending in the opera. So this, right. yeah. <laughs> the opera doesn't own, and they all lived happily ever after. You know, that never happens. Let me ask you this. Your comedy, it's cathartic. I, I know when, when I watch you work, I'm like, not only are you exercise and stuff, you're voicing stuff for other people. I don't want to use the word rage. You're miffed. I'll tell you that. You see, you're pure little miffed. Yeah. I mean, that, look, that's where comedy comes from. Yeah. You, know, the, you got to find the tension. I love tension. It's like, you know, relating on stage of something that bothers you and then the general public can relate to it. Like, oh, you know what? That, you're right. I don't like that. You know, I don't like that either is what you, you strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that gives you the connection over what is bothering you. Is that why you gravitated towards metal, towards that kind of aggression in metal? You know, you as a comedian, most of the comics are socially awkward. You're a loner. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, you gravitate towards metal, and it's just like, you know, you get stuck in that. But then it's it's not good because, you know, as a teenager, you want to relate to girls in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going off to them at a party and telling them how, how good the new Judas Priest record is is really not gonna yeah. help me you know what i mean that's all that was on my mind i, I i'd wear an aussie shirt to mm-hmm. you know a big party and all these girls like what's wrong with you what a weirdo yeah. so i was always the weirdo well i'll push back a little bit where i grew up because uh, i have a quote that you said uh, if you're into metal you're not trying to fit in yes in my high school if you weren't into metal you were the outsider Everybody had an Aussie shirt, a Black Sabbath shirt. I mean, you had the progressive kids with Yes, 
and you had a right. uh, thing on Long Island where Southern Rock was big. It was before Skinner went down in a plane crash. But, you know, there's guys from Huntington, Long Island wearing a Charlie Daniels shirt. I was like, okay. you know. Yeah, Long Island and Jersey were like big metal spots. So, yeah, when I was in high school, but then I switched high school. I went to a private Catholic school, mm-hmm. and they weren't into it, you know, a bunch of rich kids and stuff. So, yeah, at the time, metal was pretty big. It was the MTV era mm-hmm. towards the end and stuff like that. So a lot of people were into it. But still, in general, metal never got any respect. So you were always kind of on the outside with that yeah well i was i was wondering with the catholic upbringing how, how did mom and dad and the, and the rest of the six brothers and sisters react to uh generals gathered in their masters well my two older brothers got me into it like I, they oh, were okay. just like, they were older they would drive me to school we'd drive around in the car and we'd crank an acdc or whatever my my mom hated it my dad was like whatever yeah that's just noise but you know especially ozzy osborne he had the cross upside down head off he yeah, bit yeah. the uh, so he was the devil. My mom would, I don't want that album in the house and all that stuff. So I definitely did it to get to rebel against my parents, too. Yeah. Here's where I come from. I appreciate metal. Like, I remember when I heard Black Sabbath, I heard Tony Iommi, the guitarist, and I was like, it was such a heavy, dark sound. And he got it because he was in an industrial accident. I mean, I'm telling you, you know. You know, he, he lost his fingertips, so he made these tips, and he slackened his guitars so the strings were looser so he could actually play. And it, it, it produced this 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 deep scary sound and um ozzy joins the band and uh they were walking to rehearsal one day and they were, he saw a line outside the movie theater people were going in to see a horror movie and they said look at that people made money to be scared maybe we should make scary music and they did and the movie they were waiting to watch was black sabbath that's so that's why they, they got the name from oh i didn't know that yeah so they saw a big because they were like a blues band before like mm-hmm. in the late 60s sabbath yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they saw a line outside the movie theater. And the movie Black Sabbath was playing. They're like, look, look at all these people that want to be scared. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Richie Blackmore and Deep Purple, do you put them in that? It's more melodic. Do you put that in the metal evolution after Black Sabbath? Yeah, well, Deep Purple pretty much invented heavy metal. Mm-hmm. You know, they came around like a year or two before Sabbath they started. So you usually give them credit. I mean, Sabbath just took it to another level. But mm-hmm. Deep Purple was right up there. They were just as big as Sabbath, if not bigger, yeah. for a while. And I learned a lot of this watching that metal show. Nice. And I wasn't into metal, but I liked you. And I, I knew Jameson from MTV years ago. You know when I always watch you guys? On the JetBlue flight. For some reason, you were always on that JetBlue flight. And it brought me comfort. And I would sit there like, oh, look at that. Judas Priest was the first one with two guitars. Look at that. Yeah, I know. It's it, That's where everyone saw the show. Everyone said it was on JetBlue constantly. Yeah. It was great for our show because, you know, it was the only original program on VH1, so they would just show that over and over. It was almost like you ever go to um, a True TV, it's Impractical Jokers. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's all they show. Well, that's what our show was on VH1 Classic. And I grew up a metalhead, so I didn't have to do any prep work for any of the interviews. Mm. I'm like, I'm interviewing Angus Young from ACDC. <laughs> I've been wanting to ask him questions for the last 25 years. I can't wait. Yeah. How did that show come about? Did you pitch that? Were you casting it? Did you read for that? No, you know, I met Jameson at, through MTV, too, you know, because mm-hmm. he used to book the half-hour comedy hour and then Kamikaze. So, And he was a big metalhead. We became friends. Then we were listening to Eddie Trunk who had a radio show on in Q104 in New York City. Mm-hmm. And on Friday nights, coming back from gigs, driving home from comedy shows, he had a heavy metal show. We'd listen, like, man, this guy's, he likes the same music we do. And we met him one time. He says, come on our show. Mm-hmm. Come on my show. We'll talk, you know, comedy and metal and all that. And then he goes, I work at VH1. I'm going to pitch a show, about talk show with us three. And that's how it came about. That's great. That, that's great that you found, you found like minds, you got together. And the, and the chemistry worked. I mean, I, I it's... And it, it's funny because I was on a show with three other guys. I was on a show called Top Gear with uh, with uh, it's a car show with three other guys. And the chemistry seems with three people, kind of a little bit. I don't want to say easier, but more accessible because you can. We found we can travel together. All can go in the same car. They fit in the back of a cab, you know. And there's there's there's, yeah. there, there's enough tension with the with one guy not having the same opinion as the other two, but it's not a couple, you know. So it's an odd. I, f- I find chemistry more accessible in uh, with three people. Yeah, we, you know, look, I was friends with Jameson for like 20 years before we even started the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, clo- you know, like best friends. And then Eddie Trunk was just another guy in Jersey that for some reason we never ran into, had the same exact views, liked the same music. So it was perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's three jerk-offs from New Jersey. 
You know, just like it would be like three jerk offs from Long Island. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're not putting anything on. You're just you're just exposing what is, and we like this, and then yeah. come come see us. And I I learned so much. I liked Judas Priest growing up. You know, it's, it's like I said, I'm not a metal fan, but the appreciation I have for it, and and I do listen to some of it. And it's older stuff. Like I I remember when Iron Maiden came out, when Dickinson came out with Run to the Hills, I was like, wow. First of all, he had stagecraft. His vocal range, he had those, I think it's Ascending Six. The, Run to the hill. You know, it was like, that he was jumping up and down vocally. The range was, was amazing, and it was just driving. And I was like, I didn't know why I had to run to the hills, but I had to run for my life. <laughs> no, I know. You know, they, Iron Maiden took a big chance. So they get they have two albums out. They get, they, you know, gaining steam in America. They're starting to get big over in England, and they decide to change singers. Yeah. After two records, what it could have killed them easily, mm-hmm. and Dickinson comes in the comes in the band and and brings it to a whole other level. So it worked for him, but it was a big it was a big risk at that time. I remember that as a kid, I'm like, wow, they're gonna, the first you know Paul Deanna was the first singer from the first two records, and he was great. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are they changing singers? I don't know if this is gonna work, but it did. Almost like ACDC when Bob Scott died. Yeah, you know they brought in Brian Johnson and it became a bigger band. Yeah. Well, that, that was and, and, and taking the chance of changing things, I had no awareness of Iron Maiden until Dickinson came in there. So the net was bigger and and, and I got I got caught in that. And I was that's when my appreciation came into Metallica did the same thing. Was it Bob Rock who produced the Black yeah. Album? Yeah. Who produced Motley Crue. Now, if you want to talk about your mortal enemy. Yeah, because he did uh, Dr. Feelgood that brought yeah. Motley Crue back. And then, yeah, Meta- you know, all the Metallica fans were so mad that they were working with Bob Rock because mm. he was like, you know. He was like a generic metal producer, and they didn't want that. But uh, it worked out great for him. Yeah. I love Metallica. They put out a different record each time. I don't need the same thing over and over again. Yeah, people flipped out when they cut their hair. <laughs> they hated that. Yeah. I, I had long hair, too. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares that, that you can't be a fan? Yeah. You know, usually guys with long hair, they only cut their hair when they have to go to court. <laughs> That was that was always the rule of thumb when the guy I had to go to court. Dude, what you cut your hair for? I have to go to court. <laughs> My lawyer told me though. That was always. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of fans, Howard Stern's big fan of you. Were you on the Howard Stern show? Yeah. How did that happen? Did Gary call you? Did you submit something? How did you end up on the show for the first time? Yeah, you know, it was a time I was a huge fan growing up. That's all I listened to. We all to. were. And, yeah. yeah, I remember him from amazing. NBC. Yeah, from NBC to K Rock and um. Uh, when, that's when Jack of the Joke Man left the show and they started having different guys come in and sit mm-hmm. in the chair for the, for the day. Artie Lang, Adam Carolla, Jimmy Kimmel, Stan Hope, Fitzsimmons, mm-hmm. me, Greg Gass. So um, before that, though, I put a prank call CD out where I was messing with telemarketers. Yeah. Telemarketers would call my house and I'd tape record them. I just put it, I released it myself. I was just selling them after gigs after a show and I, I mailed it into the show. Well, Gary kind of knew me from hosting like comedy shows in the area. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right, if it's funny, how are we playing on the air? I can't guarantee you. I'm like, all right. And he put it on his desk with like 6,000 other CDs. I'm like, he's not playing it. The next morning he started playing it. Mm-hmm. He's like, who is this guy? We have to have him in studio. And then it just took off from there just by like a dumb prank call CD. Yeah. And, and- he took a liking to me and, you know, it launched my career. Yeah. As I, I remember, I remember listening to it and I remember, and you, you were calling telemarketers and I'm my best friend in the world is Phil Tag. Love Phil Tag. Yeah. I miss him. I haven't talked to him in years. Oh, well, I, he, I got to talk to him about the dolphin draft. I know he's a big dolphin fan. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm getting to it. He took you to Dan Marino's retirement. We're going to get there, but I want to tell you okay. what, what listening to crank yankers, I heard that. And I was like, okay, I, this is great. Every guy makes prank phone calls. It's just a fun thing to do. This is where this guy took it. What can I do? So it, that just sat in my head, and I never really thought about it. And then I just started, like, messing with Phil. And I actually have an album I never released. It's called Let's Fuck With Phil. <laughs> really? Well, he, you know how he gets. If, if, if something doesn't fit into the way he thinks the world is going to be, he's screaming and yelling. He's very high-strung, Phil. Yeah, and, and my best friend in the world and a funny guy. But you're both Dolphins fans, and he took you to Dan Marino's retirement party. Yes, down in uh, at, at the... Uh, whatever state pro player stadium, whatever it's called at the time where the Dolphins play. Yeah. yeah. Woody and the Blowfish played all those old players came out. I flew down there for it. It was great to meet Phil down there. And uh, yeah. it was awesome, man. So, okay. So Stern plays your first prank phone calls. And then how did that turn into crank yankers on comedy central? The, look, you know, TV, there's mm-hmm. never been a TV show where they made prank phone calls on a TV show ever. Right. 
Yeah. So Stern has me in and I, like two months in, like I'm going in every couple of weeks and he's playing all my calls. Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla mm-hmm. are big Stern fans and they hear my calls on there. And at the same time, they pitch a show to Comedy Central. They'd already, they're already doing the man show at the time. So mm-hmm. they have big clout there. So they pitch a show where we're going to make prank phone calls and recreate the puppets. And then they call Gary up. They go, who's that guy that comes in there to make those prank calls? We want him on the show. So in all, within like a six-month window of putting this thing out, getting on the Stern show, a TV show pops up where they want guys to make prank calls. I was like the only unknown guy that they picked for that show mm-hmm. when it first started. Chappelle was on it, Tracy Morgan, yeah. Sarah Silverman. I was like the only unknown guy. And, it, you know, that, that took my, you know, launched my career even further. But that was because of the Stern show. The thing I love about that story, Jim, is you started by putting this out yourself. You started the momentum. You took the initiative. You just, 90% of life is just showing up. Just showing up at a bad, like my whole theory with comedy is if you, if you're in a business long enough and you're not a dick, mm-hmm. you'll get things. Good things will happen. As long as you're not a dick on the way up and treat people deep, eventually it's going to come around. So I put something out on my own. I go, all right, no record label is going to want this. So I'll mm-hmm. just put it on my own. I don't care. Yeah. You know, invest in yourself and just, you know, don't be a dick. Yeah. That, the problem with our business is uh, a lot of times people at the top of the halls of power are dicks. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. But I mean, eventually, if you're not a dick coming up and you have a reputation where you're not, mm-hmm. something yeah. will fall in your lap. Yeah. And you also got to be true to you and do what you do. KRS-One said, respect will outlast cash. Yeah. And having the respect of your peers and the friendship of your peers, especially when we do something. Like I started this podcast. I made my list. Your name was on there. And you went, yeah, when? And that was great. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you just never know. Look, you know, you're friends with everybody. You're, all of a sudden, your friend gets a TV show. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, man, I want you on the show. I want you as a writer or yeah. my next door neighbor or whatever. Because, you are you know, you know somebody. Oh, this guy would be perfect for this. So that's basically how it happens. Yeah. And and your book, um, Everyone is Awful Except You, the book, the forward was written by Jimmy Norton. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just one of the sweetest things I've ever read. Yeah, me and Norton started doing comedy in Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, then we moved closer to New York City, right outside of New York on the Jersey side, because we wanted to get closer. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like an hour away, and we were roommates for four or five years. Yeah. And we've been, you know, we, I started maybe six months before, and we've been best, best friends ever since. First time I met Jimmy was at Rascals at the Shore. Remember the Shore? Yeah, course? yeah. So he comes up, he goes, hi, you Adam? Yeah, hi, my name is Jim. Listen, uh, you're going up before me. Uh, can can we switch? Can we switch spots? Because I got to get back to the city. I got a dominatrix waiting, and I went, <laughs> "Yeah, you know what? Absolutely." I never met a guy more honest. Yeah, and I think that's the East Coast comedy. Not to take away from anybody else comedy, but it's it's steeped in us. You know, I had I was talking to Jeff Ross, and he's like, "I thought everybody was funny and honest because that was a currency you had. We didn't have much. You had a sense of humor, you know." Let me ask you about your podcast. Everyone is awful except you. Comes out uh, Mondays and Thursdays on Barstool. Yeah, I was listening to it, and uh, you you made me laugh out loud a couple times. It's 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 you pointing out what's awful and why it's awful. And what the line I I wrote down was: "You're taking a picture of your food. You're not breaking any friggin' ground. All right, it's a <laughs> it's a cheeseburger. It doesn't need a press conference." Yeah, it's basically like, you know, I just find things on social media to rant about. It's just mm-hmm. me doing it by myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, there's so much material out there. So it's, you know, it's constant. You know, and I, I based a book on it. It's mm-hmm. pretty much, you know, yeah, the food pitch is a big part of the podcast, you know. Yeah, but it, and it, I think, I think, because I have the same instinct of, of, really, this is what you're doing. But I was thinking, and I wanted to ask you this, we know a world without social media. So I look at the phone as, first of all, it's, it's the biggest time suck and it's, it's, it's killing society, but I, it's a tool. It's a tool to get information and move on with your day. It's not where I live, but people that are born in the smartphone age, this is where they live. You know, the screen is the reality now. No, I know. My kids, he's got an iPad now. He's nine. And then he's, I gave him a phone when he's at my house. Mm-hmm. So he, but I, I tell him, no, you don't need to be on that. You don't have to be on that. You, yeah. you don't have to be on it 24 hours a day. Let's go out and play basketball. So I'm teaching him that it's just, yeah. you know, he's nine. So he's, he's exploring, you know, so he wants to, you know, look at everything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough thing for him to just tell him not to be married. That I think, but you realize you get like, with this whole quarantine thing, like I'm working on my house, shit that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. 
forever that I've been putting off and just not being on social media and not being on a computer. I get so much shit done Yeah, because I'm focused on what I'm doing and there's really nothing going on for me to like an agent going, Hey, I got this gig or whatever like that. So I'm, I'm just completely, I'm getting so much work done by not being on it. See, I realize that there's nothing going on, but I still have the feeling I'm missing out. I'm still running in place, Jim. I'm still trying. It's funny. Like, all right. So if, I don't know, let's say um, Mike Trout got traded, right, mm-hmm. to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And he just got traded, and you weren't online, but two hours later, you go, Mike Trout traded to the Yankees. Does it really matter that you found out two hours later? No, it's not that where I feel like I'm running place. I feel like I'm missing out on work. I'm missing out on not participating. Something is going to right. pass me yeah. by. Yeah, I know. But you know what? I have, my whole theory is there, there'll be another thing. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? There'll be, I, there'll I, be another thing in 24 hours that you could jump intellectually, on. You that I one. Yeah, intellectually, I know you're right, but it's that, and I don't know where it comes from, Jim, but I have to keep producing. For my comedy, it's about acceptance. You know, it's, it's about getting that reinforcement. It's also about providing for my family. So it's that drive. It's coming out of fear. I'm going to miss out if I'm not there. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, we all have that fear in us, and we all – we don't know – look, we don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. You know, there's no retirement plan with us. There's no pension. You know what I mean? So we don't know. In the two years, we could retire with, you know, 75% of our salary. Yeah. We don't have that. Yeah. I can't get out like the cops in Nassau County. I'm out on a three-quarter. I can't do that. I know. It's, I know. it's amazing. And then they get another job and on top of that stuff. So we don't – so I understand that. We don't know. But I just know this. Like, I always think, like, when am I going to retire and just not do this anymore? But I've known after the last five weeks, yeah. I'm bored, man. There's no way I'm going to yeah. stop. Yeah, I can't stop. This is who and what we are. It's like I never understood golfers. You know, I'm going to retire. What are you going to do, go play golf? You're doing I that know. now. <laughs> I know. So uh, no, I, so I have no no plans on retiring anytime soon. You always think, I don't know, let's see see what happens. But now I know I'm bored as shit. Yeah, and, and part of our jobs, you know, you being a confessional comic and things that bother you, it, it's the same for me, is, is examining our lives and turning it into art and using it to put it out there to connect with other people. And you did something. We were talking about honesty and comedy. You did something I loved. You put out an album of your first awful jokes from my first comedy notebook. That's brilliant to me. And I got a quote here I want to read to you. It said, the reason I read these jokes in a studio instead of a comedy club is because either way, they would get no laughs. And that silence is what they deserve. Do not be afraid to laugh at my pain because it's really tough for me to read through these. I don't even know who this person is. And if I did, I'd punch him in the face. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I found my first notebook when I was cleaning up about 10 years ago, and I'm reading these jokes. I'm like, oh, my. I, I was so embarrassed, like, looking at it. I'm like, what, where would I think this is funny? And then I, I did a podcast on it. I go, you know what? I'm going to put these on a podcast. Just right. to, and I figured the podcast people like, don't ever do that again. They loved it. Yeah. The people that listen to it, they go, this is do another one. Do another. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to put these on an album. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read them right from the notebook and, and, and make an album of it and go into a recording studio. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to video. I should have done this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go into like maybe to stand in New York City, a little club, right? Right. With cameras, not my audience, just a regular audience, and do these jokes on stage. And every time one got a laugh, like, you know, uh, one of the jokes was, um, what, what, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, I can't remember. I remember, the car, I, remember a cu- I remember a couple of the car jokes. I wanted a fast car, so I saw one with a V6 and I bought it. And then I realized, wow, I could have had a V8. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah, so I wanted to do a thing. If if anyone laughed at that joke, mm-hmm. a big bouncer drags them out of the show, out of the, <laughs> out of the room, until there's nobody left. <laughs> <laughs> How great would that? That'd be great. But I know until there's nobody. I loved when you read it. Is it, 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 when when you said it, it's really painful for me to read through these things. It's like when Dice put out the day the laughter died. One of my favorite records. Yeah, from from the from Dangerfields. He's just dying. Yeah. And he loved it. And he did it right when he was a huge star after he sold out Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Like, what a career move. Yeah. It's almost like Iron Maiden changing singers. Yeah. Or just <laughs> someone completely changing their sound or whatever. Yeah. But it was, uh, no, I loved it. Look, it's definitely influenced by the day the laughter died. But this is actually real jokes that I came from my notebook that I actually thought were funny at the time. When I first started, everyone was doing puns. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a ton of puns. So I thought everything I had to write was kind of like a, a pun to it. Right. You know, because I know they were working for a little while when I, but everything I did. And, you know, meanwhile, it's like you can maybe get away with one or two years ago, 
but you can't do a whole act of them. Yeah, but but we don't know when we start. You know, we didn't. You don't know. I you thought just... it was going to be on HBO after like six months. Oh, I never thought that. I thought, God, I hope I can get through this twenty minutes because I really only have ten. Well, you know, when you first start writing, you think everything's amazing. Like I, I can't cut any of this story. Yeah, this thing is so amazing. There's nothing to cut. Yeah. You know, and then you're doing it in front of a crowd where you're not bringing your friends to the show. And then you realize how bad it is. Yeah. Everyone thinks they've written The Godfather till somebody reads it. I know. Yeah. But you said it was really painful for me to get through. Was it cathartic in any way? Yeah, it definitely was. Like, it was almost like, all right, I'm done with that chapter in my life. And then I just burned the books after that. Mm-hmm. You know, because even just putting that out there is really embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing, and it was courageous to do, but this is the question I have, because I think I have the same pattern. Because I have a pattern, I don't know if it's the same as you have, in your intention of putting it out there. My deal is, if I call attention to my biggest fear first, somehow people can't attack me because I already said it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's true. It's true. But no one would have known that I found that notebook. Yeah, yeah. I could have just burned it. No, absolutely. It's, sometimes it's better to disarm people. And just say right off the bat, look, I know whatever it is. So yeah. they don't attack you. You're right. Just like Jim Norton, how he's so honest about everything. Yeah. So you really can't attack him. Yeah. Because I think Ross has this and a bunch of other comics I spoke to have this. It's humor for us, for me, was a defense mechanism. You know, on the bus. You know, you make people laugh. They, they won't attack you. They won't bully you. I still got bullied. It didn't work. But that was the impetus for me to be funny. Was that with you as well? Or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, the one-liner guy. I was like the, you know, wise-ass one-liner guy. Yeah. But yeah, I always just wanted to be funny because I didn't, I was socially awkward. So I didn't really know how to, you know, carry conversations and be the, be the life of the party. Mm-hmm. But I was always the wise ass cracking jokes. Yeah, that's how I fit in. And I think when we talk about music and stuff, about fitting in, when you said metal, if you're into metal, you're not really trying to fit in. Because I know most of the metal guys I know from Jersey can't stand Springsteen. No, I was never a fan either. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, he was like the Antichrist to us in Jersey. Yeah. You know, we just didn't like him. Over the years, I've learned to like him. I'm not a huge fan, but I've learned to respect him and stuff. But when you were a metalhead, because he was so big at the time, you were like, nah, they, you know, we, we didn't like him. Yeah. yeah, he was the enemy. Yeah, I was never, uh, like I said, I wasn't a metalhead. I had appreciation for metal. And this is this is interesting. In doing my research on talking to you, I remember when I was a kid, when punk came out, I liked the Ramones. Metal and punk was the same. It was the same energy twisted in my head. Like, I like the Ramones, but I was like, I can do that. <laughs> it's three yeah, chords. Yeah. I can do that. So I right. like I like the song because it's the same song. But then when you look at metal, you know, I listen to Ingve Malmsteen. And I'm like, I can't do that. I I can't even imagine doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punk was like simple three chords, a lot of aggression and stuff. I wasn't a big punk guy either, Ramones a little bit. But yeah, no, the metal, you know, one thing about those metal guys, like the hair metal bands in mm-hmm. the 80s. They were really good musicians. They don't get a lot of credit for it because they dressed in spandex and they had a hairspray on. Yeah. And then grunge came along and killed all that. So they kind of made fun of it. But they were really good musicians. Yeah. Steve Vai is one of the greatest guitarists I've ever saw. Phenomenal. He's from Long Island, too. And he was wearing spandex with David Lee Roth sticking his tongue. I mean, but wow, what a guitar player. Uh, He used to play with Frank Zappa. That was his first gig. Yeah, yeah. So he's that, and then yeah, and then he's with Roth. Yeah, no, exactly. So you don't, but and then he went in the White Snake. So he's all in the White Snake videos with Tony Katane crawled all over the car. Yeah, hey, he's got a mortgage too, Jimmy. No, I know. I I love Steve. One <laughs> of my one of my telemarketer records is on Steve's label. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. He, he came on that metal show, and I go, hey, Steve, I got this CD out. He goes, I want to. I love prank calls. And he got in contact. He goes, dude, I want this to be on my label. I'm like, absolutely, be on Steve Vai's label. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Jesus. Well, yeah. I gravitate towards talent. I gravitate towards people that work at their craft. And I gravitate towards you, my friend, because you do it all. And I'm glad you spent some time with me. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, man. It's always good talking to you. Hopefully, I'll see you at some point, man. Uh, When the world opens up again, I'd love to catch up with you. If people want to get a hold of you now, where can they go? Uh, Yeah, my website, jimflorentine.com. I'm on Instagram, Jim Florentine. And my podcast, Everybody's Awful out every Monday, Thursday on Barstool Sports. Wherever you get podcasts, you can hear it. That's great. Thank you, brother. Best to you and the family. Thanks, man. The ADD interview is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you have stress. Like you? Yes. Let's say you have anxiety. Like you? Yes. You know what you should do? You should do what I do. Scream and yell and drive your wife insane? What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Go to cruiseintowellness.com. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. Yes, young lady. And the bath bubble thing. And the bath bubble thing when your husband screams and yells and drives you insane. Mm -hmm. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. This is Jim Florentine, and that's 30 minutes I'll never get back. I had fun talking to Jim. (laughs) Adam, can you still get those fireworks? (laughs) (laughs) I actually think the guy's dead. I don't think I can. (laughs) Yeah, he's so great. I haven't seen him in so long. And by the way, Adam, you guys were talking about me. You know how he gets? That's what you say to him about me? You know how he gets. He's like, yeah. This is it. Case this is point. how you get. Yeah, no, because, he, because you said that. <laughs> well, you got like that then because he knew what I was talking about. No, this is- he, had, he was just agreeing with you. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. You, you know how he gets. I was like, what the fuck? Really? This is it. You're here. This is- <laughs> you got this way. This is how you get. <laughs> I'm coming over with my crucifix. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just love the thing you brought up, Adam, about the guitar player for Black Sabbath. Tony Iommi. Okay, I don't know that story. Well, he chopped his fingers off and then made, like, metal fingers. He was working in a, in, a, in a metal factory in Birmingham, England, and some lady that ran the pressing didn't come in, and they said, well, you'll have to do the pressing. And he, he didn't know what he was doing, and this thing came down and chopped off the tips of his fingers. Ooh. And he could have just, like, cashed in right there. He was a guitar player. He could say, you know, it was left hand, too. So right. he could have just said, all right, this is it. But he's like, all right, how do I, what, what can I make out of this? And he, he made metal caps for his fingers and he slackened these strings on his like Gibson. Like thimbles? Yeah, like yeah. little thimbles. Uh-huh. And he slackened the strings on his guitar. He had a uh, Gibson SG and mm-hmm. it got this heavy, heavy sound. And that was, that's heavy metal, baby. That's, that's like a great guitar pick. Yeah. With all but, your fingers. Yeah, but it was on that, his left, it was left hand. So yeah. yeah. That is so cool. I mean, that, that literally is the definition of necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah. It's got to be right there. Yeah. Sure. Not only necessity was the mother of invention, it, it, it started heavy metal. You know what else? Larry Graham was the bass player in Sly and the Family Stone, and mm-hmm. he invented the slap bass on... Uh, slap bass? What's yeah. that? You've heard it. What? The slap bass is uh, Dance to the Music, the Sly and the Family Stone. Dance to the music. You heard that bass oh, in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Larry Graham invented that slap bass because he was in a band with his mother. Mm-hmm. It was his mother, Larry on bass. His mother played the piano. Larry played the bass, uh, and they had a drummer. They couldn't afford to pay the drummer anymore, so he left. <laughs> so Larry's like, I gotta, keep, I, gotta, I gotta keep this down. I gotta hold this rhythm down. I need a backbeat. So he would slap the bass to have that backbeat and pluck it, and that's how he came up with the slap bass. And wow. Sly just went, I like that. I like it too. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. I, and I've done it myself. I didn't want to spend all the money on the uh, Bluetooth waterproof speaker for the shower. Mm-hmm. So, I took a Ziploc bag. I put the iPhone in the Ziploc bag. I let all the air out. I closed it. It plays right through the bag. I can listen to my podcast while I'm taking a shower. <laughs> I, you showed me that, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it worked. Right, and now I use it every time, and it works perfect. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Adam, I love that. Just do me a favor and mm-hmm. stop answering your phone in the shower when I call you. All right. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Yeah, he knows what I'm talking about. Oh, it What's flipped this? him out. <laughs> it flipped him really? out. Phil got all flipped yeah. out in the shower. He's like, "Oh my god!" And he hung up. He's like, "You in the yeah, shower? Yeah. You, did, did you? You know how him? I get." You know how I get. <laughs> Mark. An idiot. He he gets just like this. <laughs> Hello. Philip. Yeah. He's already angry. You're, first of all, if you're taking a shower, don't answer your phone. <laughs> I saw it was you. I thought you, you might need something. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what am I going to need from a naked man? <laughs> I'm taking a shower. Fuck. <laughs> what are you yelling at? I was like, what is that noise? What are you? You're in a car. Are you taking a shower? Are yeah. you in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> in the shower. Oh, don't answer your phone in the shower. Yeah, why not? It's just one of those things you don't do. <laughs> it offends my people. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he makes up that role. Yeah, it's one of those things you don't do. That's correct. It's one of those things you don't do. You don't answer the phone in the shower. Uh, okay, Phil, let me ask you this. Have you ever called me on the toilet? Many times. Okay. <laughs> what? So that's no, that's, that's better. <laughs> what do you mean? The, 
those are, that's okay, Phil. Yeah. It's okay <laughs> to call somebody up while you're taking a crap and just have a conversation with everything going on. You're fine with that, but a little water in the background, all of a sudden, you run running for the hills? What's wrong with you? Yeah. I, just don't I, wanna, I don't want to hear him splash it around. No, but this is, what, this is what I want to hear when Phil's on the toilet. Adam, I uh-oh. <laughs> oh, man. You guys mute. Mute. Yeah. No, he doesn't mute. Not only, not only does he mute, but then he comments. He, he'll get up. He goes, I don't remember eating that. I'm like, really? Oh, that's disgusting. You, that's too far. Oh. You, you have to know phone etiquette when on the toilet. Oh, stop. He's making a funny. He's making a funny. <laughs> making a so funny, this isn't funny? you, Phil? I really want to talk to you about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, nobody needs to hear that. No one and needs Alex, to hear it. Yes. See, in my mind's eye, you are this elfin wizardess. <laughs> You've got mm. ant- birds flying around folding clothes for you. And now that entire image is sullied that mm. you're into this thing, too. You'll call people up while you're taking a crap. Hey, I can multitask. <laughs> <laughs> but the- no, see, the difference is she has class. She has class. Well, yeah, she, she does. does. She doesn't let people know she's on the toilet. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Bingo. So you'll never know. You'll never no. know. No, no, but Phil, not, not only will you know, you want to know how bad it is when Phil calls me on the toilet? I can smell it over the phone. That's how <laughs> oh, bad it is. Stop it. Stop, just stop it. <laughs> Phil, quick question. Would you call him from the pool hall when you'd have to go down to the pool hall to take a crap? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We no, will. I just curse him out when I'm in there. <laughs> he was staying. I'd walk in there. The owner of the pool hall be like, "You got to take a crap again." Yeah, I'm, I'm with Adam. Yeah, I'm with Adam. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, now, here's your ten bucks. We were, we Mark, we were in my New York apartment. I got one bathroom in there, and mm-hmm. and Phil went to the bathroom in there once. I said, "This is the last time." <laughs> and he was staying always. He goes, "I gotta go to the bathroom." I said, go to the pool hall. Go to the pool hall. <laughs> it's raining. It's hall. snowing. Here's an umbrella. Yeah, well, it was. It was a blizzard. <laughs> yep. Here's an umbrella. Put on your jacket. I put a scarf on him. Here's some toilet paper just in case. Go to the pool hall. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's great. That's so funny. You know know what that just reminded me of, Adam? What? You bringing toilet paper from somewhere because you're like, hey, in case we need it. Oh, yeah. You steal toilet paper. No, I stole a roll of toilet paper New Year's Eve because I was sick as a dog. Yeah. And uh, I took the roll of toilet paper out of the hotel because I didn't have any tissues. And I had a roll of toilet paper in my jacket pocket as we were going through security. Made me look a little hippie, I have to be honest with you. I've done that before. Mm. I don't think that should be a crime. I think if they catch you and they're like, what are you you taking there? And and they find out it's toilet paper, clearly you've got something going on. They should be like, do you need more? Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah. Got a lot of shit coming up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, I mean, I love the three of you dearly. (laughs) <laughs> don't ever call you can call me in the shower right. you can call me and be doing a bunch of stuff right. do not call me when bodily functions are happening well, mark mark it's happened already you just weren't aware <laughs> <laughs> that is damn right yeah. okay yeah. see can, can i can i interject for a second here Please because do, i'm gonna Phil. go i'm gonna go a step further stern you think it grosses you out that i call adam on the toilet he calls me on the toilet when he and i are together one time i was in his apartment we're working on a script i'm going over stuff i turn around where is he he's in the bathroom he's on the toilet taking a crap with the door open come oh. on just keep reading the scene he goes in there and leaves the door open. <laughs> like, while we're talking live. You're talking about the face right there. I can see him. Yeah. What do you think you are, Adam? Lyndon Johnson? That was me. I made him come in there, and I told him, I will not seek, nor will I accept. <laughs> Your nomination for me taking a crap. <laughs> when, I, when I heard that the, the, that president did that, it's like the ultimate power move. Oh, you want an interview? Come on in here. What? No, no. I don't need the interview that badly. Yeah. Ah. No, door closed. That's that should be considered Superman's Fortress of Solitude. That's mm-hmm. what that room is. Well, that's like it was like what I was talking to Jim about. Do you have trouble disconnecting from your phone? I think if you take it into the shower, you may there may be an issue. <laughs> well, that's true. I, actually, when you guys were talking about that, mm-hmm. I was thinking about I am so attached to this phone now. Mm-hmm. Like I'll take it in. When I'm going to the bathroom, one or two, I've got to have it in there. Yeah. It's not to call people just mm-hmm. to be, I don't know, checking ESPN or checking my email. Like, I can't wait 30 seconds to do that. It's become a dangerous addiction for me. It really has. Mine, you know, so I had to get, uh, I have to get the adapter so I can charge it and use my headphones at the same time. Because when right. I go to sleep, 
I, I usually go to sleep before Al. She's up doing stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, honey, I got to go to bed. I got an early thing in the morning. So I'll go to bed. I'll put the sleep timer on, and I'll listen to whatever I'm listening to to go to bed. And then the sleep timer turns it off. Then, for some reason, in the middle of the night, I wake up terrified. I don't know why. This is just what happens to me. <laughs> so I plug the headphones in, and I have to listen to something enough for my brain to let the, the, the terror part of my brain has something to listen to so the rest of me can go to sleep. And white it's usually, noise. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's not even white noise. It's sports radio during football mm-hmm. season. That works. Then it's car podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then it's a philosophy books or whatever the hell I'm listening to. Yeah, it's kind of that same philosophy of white noise where you, you're listening to something, you're comfortable with it, you're not really actually listening word for word mm-hmm. but it's just that that noise yeah i mean i, I went to sleep with the the other night and i had a, some kind of lecture on mm-hmm. and did you know there's no sustained peace in the world of form i do i don't know what it means but i heard it <laughs> <laughs> and now that's we hilarious. know too yeah that's hilarious that could go many ways yeah phil yeah. you have sleep issues you just you can't get to sleep yeah, no, I see the point now to where I get to sleep, but then I wake up after an hour, then I have trouble going back. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's For the some worst. reason, I fall asleep, and then my brain's like, what are we doing? We don't want to be sleeping, and, they, and it wakes me up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark. I'm dealing with that now. I'm with you, Adam. When I wake up, if, when I go to sleep, I have to have something talking to me, so I'll put the book on tape, the Audible on. Mm-hmm. And when I wake up, and I'll set the, you know, the, the sleep timer for 30 minutes, I'll be asleep in two minutes. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, because I wake up like 40 times in the middle of the night, Again, put it on, set the timer for 30 minutes. I hear five words, and I'm out like a yeah. light. It's the weirdest thing. I fear, though, that like if I ever take a class again mm-hmm. and I hear lectures, <laughs> I'm just going to have that effect. I'm just going to immediately fall asleep. I'll be like, oh, sorry, it's a Pavlov's theory, man. I just I can't help myself. Yeah. You're going to have to put a shoe, uh, a tack in your shoe. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. yeah. yeah, you put a tack in your shoe, step on it, it'll keep you awake in the classroom. You can also beat a lie detector on it. Adam, how do you know that? You can't, because when they ask you the question for the baseline, you step on the tack and, and, and you, it spikes, and then that's the reading. So next time you step Once on the tack, again, everything spikes. What? How do you know that? Uh, all right. It's, it's all right. Everything's yeah, a mystery, it. all right? Listen, we haven't passed that threshold yet. I'm glad you'll talk to me on the toilet. I'm glad we're that close. Yes, we are. When we get to that threshold, I'll let you know. Okay. Do me a favor. Don't spread it around. <laughs> what is it going to go mainstream or something? God forbid. <laughs> God forbid, because then we got we got to learn another way to beat this. Thing. Oh no! <laughs> it's going to lose all the romance if everybody knows about. It. It's like Comic Con when Comic Con went corporate. It wasn't cool. Oh yeah, anymore. yeah. I hear, I hear yeah. Things are funner when it's a small group and it's like, hey, did you hear that? Remember, I remember when Instagram, for example, started. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, oh, did you see this app? It's like really cool. It's all these pictures. Right. And I thought it was really, really cool. Now it's like, ah, it's Instagram. Ah, who yeah, cares? everybody's got it. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, nah, what's the next thing? I'm waiting for the next thing. You know what the next thing is? What? The shower phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about like, it's more fun to be part of the revolution than it is to be part of the establishment. Oh, right? for sure. That's, oh, that's true rock good. and roll. That's, That's great. Yeah. That, what a great yeah. sentiment. Although I really wouldn't want to be part of the revolution on, on the English side because you'd have to wear red and march <laughs> in a straight line. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. would not be good. Didn't end well. No. Where are we going? But- Yorktown. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know one revolution you'd be part of, though. What? Prince and revolution. Yes, Come Prince on. and the revolution. And I would take Phil with me. Phil, me and you are going to be <laughs> Wendy and Lisa. Uh, <laughs> I'm in. I want to dress you. <laughs> <laughs> Jim had a great piece of advice. I actually wrote it down uh, because I thought it was great. Uh, invest in yourself and don't be a dick. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. Well, I just like that. Have faith in yourself and, and you know, what you put out in the universe is going to come back to you. I, I, I'm a big believer in that karmic wheel. Mm-hmm. And, and it I'm did gonna... lead me to you people. And I love you guys. And I love doing the show. So if that was, if that was the karmic payoff, then I am thrilled with it. And you are a great addition to the family. And I, I I hesitate to tell you this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm taking a shit right now. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it! I knew it! (laughs) That's hilarious. I want to thank Jim Florentine for being my guest. Uh, His podcast, Everyone's Awful Except You. You can get wherever you get your podcasts. He's a funny guy, and you should check him out. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Farrar at Gmail. Uh, and the show is growing, and it's all because of you. Please, uh, if you like the show, please tell a friend. Uh, and if you don't like the show, tell somebody you don't like. It's a good way to piss them off. 
If you get a chance to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Go in peace. Your when you call my mother's that. house, you're here. Thank you for calling my mother. If it's good news, <laughs> leave a message. If it's bad news, hang up. I don't want to upset it. <laughs> Too much pressure. I'll send an email. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well. Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.